0: Hello Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, The Gun Show. My guest tonight is William Macbeth from the Taxpayer Advocacy and Government Accountability Organization, Safe Calgary. We're discussing just how ridiculous and sleazy the NDP tactics have been in this first week of the Alberta election campaign. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you are going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' super fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free and just for our podcast listeners you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership just by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe just go to the rebel.media slash shows to become a member and please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts those reviews are a great way to support the Rebel without ever having to spend a dime. And now, please enjoy this free, audio-only version of my show. You're
1: listening to a Rebel Media
0: Podcast. Well, the first week of the Alberta election campaign is in the bag. Just three more to go. Tonight, my guest and I look back at the wild week that was. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show, Alberta Election Edition. the ndp would go low and personal in this election campaign it's you know really all they have they can't run on job creation economic growth fighting for alberta pipelines or fiscal competence either but the depths to which the ndp have sunk i think they've surprised even me and i've got to be honest with you here i i didn't think i could have a lower opinion of the ndp than i already had but here I am. The campaign started with Rachel Notley saying that Jason Kenney might not be racist, but he has a problem with racism in his party. Then the NDP accused Jason Kenney of homophobia in an attack ad. Then they accused an Oxford educated UCP candidate named Kaylin Ford of being a white supremacist. The NDP and their proxies in the mainstream media then accused an Iraqi Christian immigrant who was also a UCP candidate, a woman named Eva Kyriakos, of being Islamophobic. Oh, and of course, of course, Calgary Progressive Mayor Naheed Nenshi just had to stick his nose into it all and also accused conservatives in Canada of winking at white nationalists on an appearance on the CBC. And as for policy, God only knows what sort of policy the NDP are introducing because apparently all they've been doing is character assassination. (laughs) So joining me to dissect this first insane week of the Alberta election campaign is a veteran political operative and a political watcher, my good friend William Macbeth from Save Calgary. He and I... (laughs) try to make sense of all the NDP hyperbole and innuendo in an interview we recorded Monday afternoon. from Calgary to talk about the world of Alberta politics as crazy as it is these days is William Macbeth from Save Calgary. Hey, William, thanks for joining me.
1: Oh, well, thanks for having me again, Sheila.
0: I love having you on because the time just seems to fly by and it hardly seems like work. But let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Um, As you know, Jason Kenney is a raging homophobe because of something he said 20 years ago about something he did 30 years ago. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the work he did at least over the last 10 years to rescue persecuted sexual minorities, in particular in the Middle East, or so Rachel Notley's NDP would have us believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting. I would say there's very few people who can look back over their entire lives and and not uh, come up with examples of things where their thinking has changed, where their attitudes have changed and evolved, and, and where simply uh, as a society, uh, you know, we have come to believe in different things. So in the case of Jason Kenney, you know, he did say some things a long time ago and campaigned politically for some things that he now says he regrets. And, and I think that to to say that he hasn't changed his views fails to take into account the actions he's taken while he's been an elected official. As you mentioned, he, he created a, a refugee program for uh, LGBTQ people from Iran who were facing severe persecution in that country. He allowed them to come to the safety of Canada. He uh, also has worked incredibly hard to make sure that the party he's leading, the United Conservative Party, is a broad, inclusive party that welcomes Albertans from every single walk of life. And, And I believe that Albertans are going to be smart enough to see through the NDP's fear mongering at this, to look at Jason and say, you know, the man he was 30 years ago isn't the person he is today. And it certainly is reflected in the statements and actions he's taken while being leader of the United Conservative Party.
0: You know, it really is remarkable how far the NDP had to go back in Jason Kenney's life to get that. I mean, when you look at the age of the NDPers that are sitting uh, as MLAs, many of them weren't even born yet, like Thomas Dang and Deb Drever and I think Trevor Horn. He's under the age of 30. So, I mean, I guess... Times have really changed. I mean, those people can look back and say, things are a lot different than when I was a kid. Well, Jason Kenney was saying those things before they were even born. I mean, and I suppose the heart of it is Jason Kenney campaigned against uh, domestic partnership law in San Francisco and his side of the campaign really, it won. San Francisco at the time, and I think still remains the most lgbtq friendly uh city, probably in the entire world, so all it means is that Jason Kenney was going he was part of the mainstream in San Francisco at the time, right. so that's how much sentiment has changed
1: yeah you're absolutely right, and of course, I think also important to point out that uh you know when asked about this, Jason talked about the fact that it was his uh, his church's position, his, his, his faith's position to support uh, traditional marriage and that he viewed domestic partnerships as being, um, you know, sort of moving to, forward with uh, legalizing same-sex marriage, which people forget at the time was widely opposed by not just hardcore Republicans, but by Democrats as well. In the not-too-distant past, uh, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama both campaigned against same-sex marriage, saying that they believed that uh, civil unions were, were the right approach and not same-sex marriage. In, in the late 90s, the Liberal Party of Canada uh, voted, to, uh, along with the rest of Parliament, to affirm marriage as being the union of one man and one woman. Now, today, I don't think there's a serious politician out there who wants to roll back the definition of marriage to not include LGBTQ people. I, I don't believe any serious politician um, believes that anymore. Certainly Jason Kenney at the Conservative Party convention in Vancouver was one of the overwhelming majority of delegates who voted to update the party's policy book to reflect uh, support for same-sex marriage. So again, I, I think you're right. People, It's hard, I think, for younger people to understand just how much society has really moved on LGBTQ issues over a, a relatively short period of time and that's thanks to many brave and, 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 and hard-working people who fought to advance um, uh, LGBTQ rights over the years. So I, I think it actually should be celebrated how much we've moved as a group and how people's attitudes have changed because if people's attitudes hadn't changed. We would never have had things like same sex marriage or the protection of LGBTQ rights codified into law, things like that. If we didn't expect people to change their minds, we would never make progress on some of these files.
0: Well, and, you know, there are many religious people in the part, or like in the conservative movement, myself included. um, And I think this is where we sort of meet with the LGBTQ community when we say, I just want to be left alone. You just want to be left alone. You go and love whomever you want and my church will marry whomever we want. And I think that's the balance that conservatives have been able to strike um, so that there's a place for everybody in the conservative movement.
1: I, I, absolutely. I, I think churches, you know, when we talk about equality rights and protections under our charter, uh, religious freedom is absolutely one of yep. those rights that, that is protected. So if uh, a mosque or a synagogue or a church doesn't want to perform uh, a, a particular marriage or, or ceremony because it's not in accordance with their articles of faith, that's that church's decision. It does yep. not in any way preclude um uh, people of, of different sexual orientations to get married, um, just not in that particular institution. And I do think it strikes the right balance for a society that values both uh, individuals' uh, freedoms and personal rights and the freedom of religion, which has been a fundamental right in this country since it was founded.
0: Now, moving along, now that we've got that out of the way, that that <laughs> horrible NDP slander, uh, I mean, really on Jason, Kenny, but also on the entire party, um, Rachel Notley said at the campaign kickoff that she doesn't think that Jason Kenney is racist, but boy, he's got a racism problem in the party. And I just thought that was completely outrageous to say, considering the party is, you know, what is it, 100, 100 and a half thousand people? That's a hell of a assumption to be making about that many people.
1: It, it, it's a tremendous accusation to hurl at a vast number of everyday hardworking Albertans because, you know, in my, in my life in politics, I've had the pleasure and privilege of traveling the length and breadth of, of Alberta, as I believe you are doing mm-hmm. right now. Yes. Uh, and, and, and every single community I visited, I met the same warm, welcoming, tolerant people who frankly welcomed people from right around the world to come to Alberta to make it their home, to bring with them their skills, their creativity, their energy, and their passion uh, to make our province a better place. And, and to make the accusation of Jason Kenney, first of all, to begin by saying, I'm not saying Jason Kenney is a racist. Well, that's that's damning by faint praise. Yeah. Uh, Jason Kenney, the better part of Jason Kenney's career uh, as a minister in Ottawa was spent building bridges between not only the Conservative Party but the Government of Canada and different ethnic communities right across this country. and and he was rightly recognized i think for all of that hard work by the amount of support he's gotten from different uh ethnic communities in Alberta for his leadership race and, and then for uh this election campaign you know the, the joke of course being that jason's nickname when when he was minister of immigration was minister of curry in a hurry because it reflected the, the volume of events that he would go to in a single weekend. Sometimes it would be 20 or 30 cultural events where he knew all the customs, he knew how to greet people uh, you know, in their own language and in, in a respectful way to, to understand the issues, the unique issues that, that some uh, you know, ethnic Canadian groups face. Um, because of of their their culture, because of their history, because of how the government maybe uh, treated them in previous years. So for 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 Rachel Notley to accuse Jason Kenney of anything racism is is absolutely ridiculous. It's a ridiculous suggestion. And it shows, I think, the desperation that the New Democrats have uh, in this campaign.
0: Yeah, I've seen the poll numbers over the last week go up for the UCP. It seems the more. Um the NDP sort of get personal because they can't run on their own track record, the more people are just rejecting them. Um, it really is the politics of division. And you know what I'll say it, hate. They like to accuse everybody else of being hate mongers. But I mean, this mining of people's lives and and statements from decades ago, I mean, it, no person will be ever able to run for political office if we hold every single candidate to these standards the ndp want to hold conservatives to and the ndp they're certainly not holding themselves to these standards considering they expect us to think that they had some sort of come to jesus moment change of heart over the last four and a half five years about pipelines about israel about a, a ton of other different things that you know that that they've now moderated themselves and left their terrible ways behind them but at the same time they're they're mining into the lives decades decades and decades of data on conservative candidates. Uh,
1: I, I think you make a really important point uh, Sheila and, and I'm not going to say that some some of the comments that I've read from some UCP candidates did in my mind um, not reflect the, the values that uh, many Albertans hold uh, as, as being central to their identity as Albertans but there are also some candidates who just posted uh, either dumb or, or thoughtless things on social media, as I think many of us are, are want to do. Um, I do it a
0: hundred times a day,
1: <laughs> and, easily. <laughs> and I look at, you know, for example, there's one candidate who posted a, a, an unfunny joke about uh, the relationship with his wife. And, uh, you know, subsequently he said he regrets it. But I think to myself, look, Making an unfunny joke is a reason not to sit next to someone maybe at a dinner party. But it's not a reason to disqualify them from seeking public office and to and to try and and whip up the same outrage over someone posting an unfunny, an unfunny joke or a, or or a, a joke that wasn't in good taste uh, with someone who has genuinely expressed hatred or intolerance, I think, uh, it is just completely unacceptable on the part of the Democrats. What they also won't admit is that every major political party has a handful of people in it who. Are outside of that mainstream, who who don't share the common values that the 99 percent or more of the party do, and and even the New Democrats, because uh, you know uh, looking at federal New Democrats, well, first of all, deeply opposed to all energy uh, from Alberta, deeply opposed to oil and gas, deeply opposed to pipelines. Um, um, you know, uses the language of saying that Alberta oil is evil and that the people who work there are, are evil, but also uh, real problems on issues like anti-Semitism within mm-hmm. left-wing parties. That uh, you know, Do I think the New Democrats are anti-Semites? No, I don't, think, I don't think that they are, but I do know that there are some people who hold those views, who associate themselves with, with the New Democrats in the same way that there are a handful of people uh, who associate themselves with the United Conservative Party who don't reflect uh, the, the mainstream values of that party. So uh, I, I worry that this is the new norm for how elections are going to be waged, and it's being done so at the expense of sharing the vision for the province or for the country that they're wanting to lead. Because frankly, I have no idea, really, what the New Democrats have, have put out as policy so far, really, because yeah. they haven't spent anywhere near as much energy talking about their vision for Alberta as they have about daily attacking Jason Kenney and the United Conservative Party.
0: Yeah. You know what? I think also you're very uh, temperate in your criticism of the NDP far less than I am, especially with their their anti-Semitism problem. I'm old enough to remember, oh, I don't know, last year <laughs> at their convention when they had a little bit of a, a a civil war on CPAC live because their BDS motion just didn't go far enough for half the party. Um And, you know, like that sort of attitude is really mainstreamed in the party. So I always think it's ironic when they say stuff like, you know, the the conservatives are the party of uh, white supremacists. And I think, no, you actually have policy platforms that could easily be adopted by any white nationalist group as policy platforms about Israel in the NDP. So I think it's funny when they point those fingers because they have it codified (laughs) in their own party. Um. Now, about the how the NDP are targeting some of the UCP candidates, they did nuke uh, a couple of high profile female candidates, which is strange considering the NDP are all about women and putting women in positions of power. But I would suggest these were two highly qualified female candidates, Kaylin Ford and Eva Kiriakos. Eva, who, you know, is a persecuted minority in her own right who came to Canada to, um, you know, to make something of herself and escape persecution. And as it turns out, um, because of some clumsy, I mean, and I wouldn't even argue that they were clumsy. I mean, she shared a meme from Creeping Sharia, which is, um, you know, a phrase um, coined by Pamela Geller, a Jewish lady. (laughs) Um, And they, you know, they basically accused her of being a racist and, and a whole host of other things. It's really character assassination based on social media faux pas. Uh,
1: yeah, and I, and I think one of the real downsides to uh, communicating by social media is um, is you only ever get to see a, a glimpse of, of yeah. the conversation that, that's happened. So it's difficult to know... Um, you know, all of the context around these things or, or, or what, uh, what led up to it, or, or if it's a comment on an article, what the, what the original article had said. Um, you know, she, in, in the case of Eva, uh, which, of course, just as happened last night, uh, since this is Monday... Uh, right now. I, I, I don't know what the full story is there. She's made comments that she was being targeted or bullied by some unnamed individual who who wanted to to see her out. And, and in a very similar way to, I think, what happened to, to Kaylin Ford, who was uh, bullied and harassed by by another person. So to me, I find that very worrying that women candidates are being targeted for bullying and harassment. And certainly, I don't I don't think it's going to help the long term goal of electing more outstanding, high quality women to elected office if, if we allow these bullies behind the scenes to uh, continue to, to harass and, and, uh, and go and attack women uh, while they're seeking public office. So I, I do think there's some, some more concern here than just the comments that these candidates have made, but you know, that, that really should be looked at in the fullness of time.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And I, uh, I I think it's funny, like I'm working on a story right now about an NDP MLA and some of the things that he said about eugenics. And um, that's going to get a pass. It's not going to be in the mainstream media. It's just going to be glanced straight over, even though he's a high profile, well, he likes to think he's high profile, powerful guy in the NDP caucus. Um, and really, should be the focus of some extreme vetting from the mainstream media. And he's going to get a pass. And I think it's especially distasteful, considering Alberta's horrible history with eugenics.
1: Uh, no, you're you're absolutely right. I, I just saw a few of those comments on on social media uh, last night and this morning where this person uh, I, I believe um, uh, indicated one of his political opponents should be should have been, Uh, genetically eliminated um, earlier in in his time. So uh, to me, that is an abhorrent statement uh, to have made and and should be the focus of the same kind of consequence for people in this election who make uh, outrageous uh, statements. And and I don't know if he is going to face the same kind of of scrutiny that um, conservative candidates have, uh, because that has not been our playbook traditionally. We have we have preferred to run campaigns on the merit of our ideas, on the basis of what we're advancing as an agenda, as a plan for Alberta or for Canada is better for Canadians or Albertans than what our opponents have, have put forward for their plan. It's how I like to run uh, campaigns. I want to win with better ideas. I don't like how much of politics these days has descended into this mean-minded, attack-driven, personal um, level of political engagement. And for a premier uh, of a province who who won primarily, I think, because people liked her and thought she was positive and thought her party was positive, uh, it is completely destroying that brand. For Premier Notley and New Democrats right now. I don't think anyone's going to go into the ballot box on Election Day thinking that Rachel Notley and the New Democrats are the party of sunny ways to quote the Prime Minister. So um, I don't know if if that's a winning strategy for them, but it's certainly, I think, going to be off putting to everyday Albertans who really want to know what her plan is to fix our province's huge economic problems.
0: Well, and I think. On some level, as much as it might not be a winning strategy at the ballot box, it is very rewarding for the NDP, considering the UCP seems very risk averse. The second a whiff of anything comes out about a candidate, as small as it might be, they nuke that candidate immediately. Either the candidate resigns or or, uh, they are withdrawn as a candidate. But it's working. If, you know, if you're an NDP strategist, these tiny little social media flubs are nuking very high-profile candidates, and the UCP is letting it happen. At some point, I think to put a stop to this, the UCP is going to have to say, "No, enough is enough. We're not letting Press Progress decide who gets to run as a candidate in the United Conservative Party."
1: I think you're absolutely right, uh, Sheila. In 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 political Speak. We we call when you release a negative piece of information, we call that a destabilizer because mm-hmm. it destabilizes your opponent's message for the day or for for the for the week. Um, but I do think you're right. I think the UCP also has to differentiate between a candidate who maybe said something thoughtless or or unfunny, and a candidate who has said something really at odds with the party's values and and policies. And I think. I think it is perfectly legitimate to, to zap a candidate who is uh, really off base with what your party believes and, and wants to do. But to zap people who just posted a dumb meme on Facebook five years ago or, or, or 10 years ago, I do think only contributes to—well, to, to uh, well, it emboldens the New Democrats yeah. to keep this up to, and, and for press progress to to you know go for another notch on their belt. When they had to claim they took out another another candidate, so I think you make a very good point that that the UCP may have to start differentiating between something that's politically a bit of a problem versus something that's fundamentally at odds with what they believe in as a party.
0: Yeah, I mean you'll you'll see the NDP will not nuke any candidates that <laughs> Kian and I that um, for them going forward. They just <laughs> the service
1: won't. Sheila, that you're offering. You I, know I, what. They should I'm, appreciate <laughs> I'm doing
0: yeoman's work, but uh, um, they won't do that. They don't apologize. They don't back down. Um, as much as I dislike the NDP, that's probably one of their better qualities um, is uh, they just do not bend to uh, political pressure from across the aisle. It, it, it serves them well, especially here at election time. Um, now that we've talked about all the social issues and everything like that, um, Jason Kenney, uh, um, he's spoken quite a bit this past week about how uh, roughly 50% of Albertans are expressing some form of, um, separatist sentiment, myself included. I think we need a better deal in, in confederation, not to say that I'm a separatist, but I think we're not getting a fair shake. Um, and he's sort of thrown a bone to the those Albertans who express that separatist sentiment. He's decided that should he become premier, from my lips to God's ears, he <laughs> would create the Alberta parole board and withdraw from the federal one as a way to deal with the recidivism and crime rate in rural Alberta. I think this is an incredible idea.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right. I, I think there any anybody who spent any measure of time talking with uh, people, not just here, it, certainly in my hometown of Calgary, which has been facing tremendous economic problems for the past several years, but really anywhere in this province feels that under this liberal government, under this prime minister, um, Alberta really is getting a raw deal. And uh, you, know, you, you only have to compare and contrast how much you know, sort of activity or effort or care uh, Justin Trudeau has shown about 150,000 unemployed energy workers and a lack of pipelines, as opposed to a theoretical 9,000 jobs at SNC-Lavalin, to which he was prepared to overrule judicial independence, the rule of law, and every other institution <laughs> in our federal government yeah. to try and get them a sweetheart deal. So I think, I think Jason knows that the next premier of Alberta will have to be the one who fights Ottawa. For Alberta's economic future and for Alberta's rights, and the choice couldn't be clearer there between Jason Kenney, who wants to have an Alberta parole board, who says you're not taking the issue of rural crime seriously enough, you aren't understanding the problem that farmers and ranchers are having with crime happening when when the police can't get there in five minutes. It, it you know it's it's going to take them an hour or two hours or three hours to get there, um, and and that means we have to we have to make some changes. They don't understand that. How irksome and and frustrating it is to watch Quebec post balanced budgets while our economy creeps ever closer to to putting a hundred billion dollars worth of debt onto the backs of our of our of our province and every one of our citizens. Uh, Of of seeing our pipelines stalled over and over again by federal groups, by by uh, federal court, the federal court of appeal, and by two pieces of legislation that are currently being considered by the Senate to fully stop Alberta uh, getting its resources to market. And Rachel Notley, I'm sad to say, as Premier, walked hand in hand with Justin Trudeau for a lot of her time as Premier of this province. She, she was his most reliable provincial partner on, on every major file, not realizing that this is a prime minister that is frankly hostile to the interests of Albertans. So I think you're going to see Jason Kenney really pushing that idea that this election is as much about uh, Alberta standing up for itself against Ottawa as it is about Jason Kenny versus Rachel Notley.
0: Um, A couple of questions before I let you go. I've again gone way over my 20 minute mark, but um, (laughs) that's fine. Um, What is your prediction for um, seat count? Do you have a prediction?
1: Well, I, uh, I should put a coda here that I'm almost always wrong about these sorts of things. That's okay. I think right. If, you know, Unless something really spectacular happens, one way or another, I, I think Jason Kenney is headed for uh, a majority government. Um, somewhere, I would imagine, in the in the 50s or 60s for seat count, based just on on how it's gone so far. Possibly a little higher if um, if we win, if the UCP wins a good chunk of seats uh, in Edmonton. Um, but uh, because I think a lot of people think, oh, uh, you know, is a minority government possible? Well, the the mathematics and Alberta provincial politics make a minority government extremely unlikely. Yeah. Um, so I, I think people need to bear that in mind that that they're going to have to vote for the party that they want to win the election. That that that's the most important way that they can cast their ballot. The one that's going to you know vote for the party that you think will have the best plan to help Alberta. Don't try and overthink it by voting for. Uh, a third party because you think it might create some sort of minority government situation.
0: Yeah, I, you know, and Edmonton has so many seats. I think Edmonton has 20 seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, does. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's pretty weighted in favor of the NDP just because um, Edmonton, I love the people there, but it's a progressive hellscape of, of government bureaucrats and uh, they love to elect the NDP there federally and uh Provincially, although the the federal conservatives pretty strong there, um, especially in the bedroom communities and towards the um, outside. So I would say, like the NDP finishing with maybe fifteen to twenty seats province wide is what I think. Um, I think the polls are. I don't think the polls are quite reflective of just how strong the UCP really is.
1: No, and I think you you might well be right there. I, I also think that. Um, for a lot of Albertans, their choice is going to be that when they walk into that ballot box and they're given their ballot and they're staring at the choices they have to make, They're going to think to themselves, do I really want four more years of what I've had with Rachel Notley and New Democrats, four more years of sky-high unemployment, four more years of businesses closing their doors, four more years of investment fleeing our province, four more years of pipelines getting stalled in every single direction, four more years of, of watching Alberta be subordinate to Justin Trudeau's Ottawa, or is it time to try something new? And I think for anybody who wants to try something new, that vote will, will go to the United Conservative Party, Jason Kenney.
0: Speaking of never trying something new, let's talk about Calgary really fast for a second. They had the opportunity to try something new, but instead they voted for Mayor Nenshi again. Yes, yes they did. <laughs> and, and he seems to think that Conservative leaders, I mean, he may as well have just come right out and said Andrew Scheer, Jason Kenney, are winking at white supremacists. For some reason, and, and he, basically it was apropos of nothing that he said this
1: uh, no, uh, I think well, sometimes the mayor just says things because he hasn 't seen his name in yeah. lights you know recently enough, so he 's decided he 'll say something just just to get the kind of media coverage he likes um, but no, he he did make that he virtually did accuse uh, Andrew Shear and Jason Kenney of of um, collaborating or, or uh, you know, tacitly seeking support from, from white supremacists, which again, uh, is a ridiculous assertion to make for either of these people who have long and established records as elected officials and who have gone to great pains to promote visions of their party that fully welcome people from every corner of the country and province and every walk of life we want them to find homes in the conservative movement. So uh, I don't know why the mayor thought he should weigh in on that, but it, it's certainly an outrageous accusation. Uh, and I think, you know, you, uh, you, you could play that racism card as, uh, over and over again, but if you do it too much, and if you especially do it to people who really aren't racist, to do it to people who aren't uh, supportive of intolerance, then it starts to take away the power of that accusation. Mm -hmm. People start to turn a deaf ear. And I actually think that's a tremendous problem um, because when that happens, then it makes it harder to stop actual instances of racism, which should and and must be stopped when when they happen. But uh, I really hope that the mayor reconsiders that there's a very decent chance he's going to have to work with one or both of these individuals in Very important positions, as you know, Jason Kenney is premier of Alberta, Andrew Scheer is prime minister of Canada, potentially there. And does he really want to set up a relationship where both of those people just don't like him very much? I I don't think that's going to be good for my city of Calgary.
0: Well, I just think that this like constant focus on white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. I don't see it. I really do. I honestly believe that the supply of neo-Nazis does not meet the demand. <laughs> For a lot of political reasons, the left likes to think that there's this vast swath of neo-Nazis running loose in Canada, and I just don't see it. I think they have a very pessimistic view of Canadians that I just don't share. I think that there are some some small, teeny tiny minority of actual white supremacists in the country. The rest are probably undercover cops (laughs) and that's about it. I mean, I really don't see the problem that everybody else sees. Maybe I just have a a higher opinion of my fellow Canadians than our left-wing politicians do.
1: No, I I think you're absolutely right. It's, It is the same fear-mongering attacks that have been hurled at Conservatives since time immemorial. Anybody who's old enough to remember when Stephen Harper was leader of the opposition campaigning to form uh, government uh, with the new Conservative Party, they hurled every accusation they could think of at him. And what did we get? We got 10 years of outstanding government, outstanding Conservative government that dealt with Canada competently, that that was uh, had smart policy, and I think a lot of Canadians are looking back wistfully, wishing that we had that kind of leadership on the national stage right now. So uh, I don't, I didn't believe it when they said it about Stephen Harper. I don't believe it now when they say it about Jason Kenney and Andrew Scheer, and I think that's what a lot of Canadians are going to think too.
0: Yeah, the hidden drum, or the, sorry, the hidden uh, agenda drum is getting very, very, very old. I mean, it's it's just getting worn out. No one's paying attention anymore.
1: Under Stephen Harper, it was so hidden. It stayed there, hidden for the entire 10 years he was Prime Minister. Didn't, didn't make a single appearance. So, wow, is that a well-hidden agenda that even as Prime Minister of Majority Government, he didn't follow through with the so-called hidden agenda. So, you know,
0: I, I always hoped the hidden agenda was getting rid of the CBC, but even I mean, it's still <laughs> hidden. So I I don't know, uh, William. How do people find Save Calgary? How do they find you? Um, you're sort of in the big time now because you were on Power and Politics, and I assume you're going to become a regular there. So, um, <laughs> I would just want to thank you for gracing my little show with your presence. But how do they find you? How do they support you?
1: Uh, well, thank you. That's that's very kind. We'll see if power politics have me back. But um, <laughs> the, the two places to find Save Calgary are through our website, savecalgary.com and also uh, through our social media, particularly our Facebook page, facebook.com savecalgary. We try and put out content daily, uh, a weekly newsletter, uh, some other things like that to keep people informed and in the loop. Uh, just on the municipal thing, uh, you know, city council's looking here in Calgary at a $500 per year tax hike onto the <laughs> Calgary homeowners. Um, it, it, it's like pay attention to municipal politics because it's gonna hit you in your pocketbook if you don't. And so we really hope that people uh, can can look us up and, and help us out in our, in our fight for taxpayers here in Calgary.
0: Yeah, you really do good work. And you are, um, you know, frankly, you're pretty alone in that battle <laughs> municipally speaking. Um, so, I mean, you have a really big uh, battlefield um, but for just your little skeleton crew and uh, shoestring budget, you are really scaring the daylights out of City Hall. I think.
1: Well, I, it's very kind to say. I hope that you know that we're we're at least making um not uh, making it not quite as easy to just raise taxes with wild abandon as it has been in the past. So hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to to keep uh, keep City Hall a little more focused on taxpayers.
0: Well, William, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I'm sure. Uh, We'll talk again before um, April 16th, which is Alberta's Liberation Day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you
1: very much, Sheila. I hope so, too.
0: Thank you. Very long three weeks, we're all going to get called a lot of names. It's going to be a dirty, sleazy campaign from the very people who spent the last four years scolding conservatives as mean and out of touch with normal people. I think Albertans have had enough of being talked down to and lectured by Rachel Notley and her perpetually inept MLAs. Albertans care about the economy, they care about jobs. They want to get back to work and they don't care about things someone said 20 years ago. Now, it might be hard to stay hopeful as a conservative for the next three weeks as the mainstream media continues to act as attack dogs for Rachel Notley and the NDP. But you know what? I take solace in the desperation of it all. The more desperate the NDP gets, the more personal and dirty they get, the more I know they know that the sewer rats will get their revenge april 16th well everybody that's the show for tonight thanks so much as always for tuning in we'll see everybody back here in the same time in the same place next week and remember don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think